On today's Locked on Jayhawks, KU basketball has another transfer edition. It's another walk-on transfer edition, this time in the form of Christopher Carter, a transfer from Cal State University, Northridge. Let's discuss what it means. Are they done from here? Is this one of the best walk-on groups that KU has ever been able to assemble? All that and more on this edition of LOJ. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And, uh, of course, you can hear me right here as well with Locked on Jayhawks. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find us, like, and subscribe to the show on our YouTube page, which is right on YouTube with Locked on Jayhawks. Uh, Before we get into the action today, Chris Carter, the newest addition for KU basketball, was at another D1 school last year, transfers in. Now a preferred walk-on, what it means for the team uh, what he could bring to the table, both short-term and long-term, and maybe what it means overall for the roster it's, as far as the walk-ons and, and just KU in general here. Uh, first, though, this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. So Kansas lands Chris Carter. Um, I've, I've seen a couple places where he has gone by like Christopher Carter and and then some other places where it's been uh, Chris Carter. So I don't know which of those two he prefers, but I, I think I've seen more of the Chris than Christopher. Uh, nonetheless, he is a six foot four, 180 pound guard from Indio, California. He actually is a former AAU teammate of Marcus Adams, who just arrived to uh, KU campus over the weekend. And he ended up going to uh, Cal State University Northridge out of high school, which Shout out. That's my dad's alma mater. Uh, go Matadors. And uh, he redshirted in year one for CSUN. And CSUN obviously has been, you know, it's not like this super well-known basketball program. They are a D1. Um, he obviously redshirted there. And um, a program that right now is just like, I, I think I saw they had like eight or nine scholarships still open on their team. So they're kind of in peril. Uh, basically for Kansas, this gives them an opportunity to have a developmental player who at one point earned a D1 scholarship to go to Cal State Northridge, elsewhere find his way to the roster without affecting the scholarship numbers. If this is it for KU, it basically gives you another like D1-level body basketball player type without having to use up a scholarship in terms of the self-imposed sanctions to where, you know, you could have gone out and, and maybe you could have got like, you know, Arthur Kaluma going to Kansas state, right? Like you could have got a more impact play like that. Maybe you're just opting for somebody like this who can at least give you depth. If you didn't think Chris Johnson was going to be part of the rotation, you just exchange him out for another player, except this player who is also providing you more depth and probably isn't going to be part of the rotation. At least they're not on scholarship and you save a scholarship for a future year. I do think it's a little like the difference between the 12th to 13th scholarship does not seem that big to me. So I still think you should probably use at least your 11th scholarship because even if it's like, uh, well, that means one year you're going to have 12 scholarship players in the future as opposed to 13. I don't think it's that big of a difference, whereas 10 to 11 to me feels like a bigger impact. Uh, Nonetheless, this gives you more depth from your walk on perspective and. 
you know, when you're looking for players who are trying to walk onto the program, and in the case of this, like, this isn't your, I don't know, your normal walk on to the standpoint of like, yeah, he was at a D1, like even if he was going to transfer and maybe there were no those other D1 offers that he was looking for, probably looking at like a high level D2 at that point. Um, you don't have someone coming in who this isn't a walk on that like there's there's no way there's a future there, right? But at the same point in time, you don't have to worry about uh, it being some sort of like issue in the locker room. When you bring certain players on, there's always the question of, well, what happens if they're not playing? What happens if they're not playing? Are they going to be a problem in the locker room? Are they still going to make an impact on the team in practice and yada, 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 right? And with Chris Johnson, it felt almost like that wasn't going to be a great fit if that ended up happening happening to him, which it kind of seemed like it was. But with with Chris Carter, I mean, automatically for signing up as a preferred walk-on, like you know what you're getting into. He redshirted at Cal State Northridge. Like clearly this is not somebody who – uh, is going to come in and be like, well, I just did this at my last stop. Like, why would I not play here? Right. Like, you know, the writing is kind of on the wall that you're going to have to work your way up. Uh, you would assume he's friends with Marcus Adams, which that always kind of eases the process. I think for a couple of guys, especially, you know, I, I myself came to Lawrence from Southern California. And when I first got out here, you know, maybe those first few nights you're out here and, and you're feeling all alone and you don't know anybody else that is at the university. And it's a different kind of experience. Um, now it's different for student athletes like this because they're automatically vaulted onto a team with a bunch of other guys, right? Uh, but you know, that can never be a bad thing to make people feel more acclimated, and that'll be the case for I think Carter and Adams here. Um, and obviously, from you know, Carter's perspective, being on scholarship at Cal State Northridge, he is probably in a better situation financially being a walk-on at KU. Uh, so just again, as somebody who came from the Southern California area, it was cheaper for me to go to college in Lawrence at KU than it would have been to stay in state, even with in-state tuition. Um, now, part of that was, you know, having scholarships and stuff, but uh, you're looking at it like you're covered there. And then even if, oh, well, at CSUN, he doesn't have to pay anything for school. At KU, it's a walk-on. You do have to pay some for school. He's going to make more NIL money that's going to offset the amount of tuition and probably end up making, you know, at, like at CSUN, you're probably looking at a net zero. You're probably not really making any NIL money, but your school's paid for. At KU, you're paying for school, but you're making more NIL than the school is making and coming out a little bit on top. You, you get the D1 experience, you get to be a part of a winning program, all that stuff. So it makes sense from that regard. Um, I want to get into his scouting report a little bit, uh, what maybe the the future could look like or the current for Chris Carter, uh, KU's walk-on group as a whole, and, and maybe what this means to the roster just in general. First, though, before we get to that, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by by FanDuel Book. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. You can bet on any of the stuff from the NBA Finals with Game 5 happening tonight. Uh, you can bet, make your own same-game parlay. You want to get Nikola Jokic, you know, over 50 points plus rebounds plus assists. You can bet on that. You can bet on the cup. They have great promotions every day. They have great boosts every day to help you out. Uh, it's safe, secure app. You get paid instantly. It's super easy to read where all your active bets are. And I love the interface. Very easy to sort through and find the sport you want to bet on. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, uh, senior report here for Chris Carter. 
Uh, by the way, is that, if, if anybody's a baseball fan, you might recognize the uh, the name Chris Carter from the former I think, like Houston Astro, Oakland A, just like mashed home runs, but hit like low 200. Um, anyway, th- this is obviously very different, but uh, yeah. So Chris Carter comes in. As I talked about, he is a six foot four guard. Um, this was a, a little blurb about him in his Cal State Northridge profile because obviously we didn't get any stats of play because he registered last year at CSUN. Um, Carter spent three seasons on the basketball team at, at his previous stop in high school. Uh, so a kid who hasn't even played basketball for overly long earned several awards, at least organized basketball, earned several awards, including Desert Empire League MVP in 2022 and first team all league twice, helped his team win their CIF Division three title in 2020, while his team won championship in 2020 and 2022. Also was a high jumper on the track and field team as a junior and senior, won the Desert League high jump championship in 2021 before finishing as a runner up in 2022. Um, and that obviously sticks out where it's like, okay, this kid's a good jumper, right? So that's automatically, if you're looking at the scouting report, you go to strengths. Athleticism is something that is a strength here. You don't have to worry about this kid coming in and not being a good enough athlete. And I, I think a lot of times the, the walk-ons that KU does bring in, like they're either shooters or they're just like going to work hard or whatever. You're not always, if you're KU, getting walk-ons who are just like really good athletes. I think with, with both Carter and then the Justin Cross kid they brought on from the, the JUCO level, who's a good rebounder, you're getting good athletes into your walk-on, which I think will help you in practice a little bit more to give you a different look while you still have those shooters like a Michael Jankovic or you know a big guy down low like Dylan Wilhite, right? You have some different options that you can kind of throw out there in terms of those practice opportunities. But you see some of his highlights and you know a lot of them, I, I saw one highlight package of him where it was like all all dunks and like these crazy dunks, like windmill dunks through the leg, like awesome, really good dunks. They were all through like layup lines before the game, which, you know, so it shows he has athleticism, but I, I would have liked to see like more, more highlights from you there. But uh, I, I did see, you know, good set shooter on the wing, good athlete. I think the idea there is he has three and D potential because of the athleticism can get up and down uh, good speed, quickness, jumping ability, all that sort of stuff. And, and that goes back to the high jumping stuff. Uh, I, I think you add in the strengths column here should be content in his role. He's known as being a good teammate in his previous stops. Talked about how, you know, he, he's had a past relationship with Marcus Adams. And obviously, you know what you're signing up to when you become a preferred walk on that. It's going to be something where you're going to have to work your way up if you ever want to make it into the rotation at the University of Kansas. So you kind of know what to expect. And that can be a good thing. Role allocation is so important over the course of basketball teams, any league. You know, knowing who the guy is, knowing what my specific role is, is to be knowing where I'm supposed to fit in. That is so crucial. The teams that don't figure that stuff out tend to have more issues. And even if it is down to a walk on those guys, knowing their role and not causing problems and making everything fit in like a seamless puzzle piece is super important. You also have time to develop him. Uh, He redshirted last year, so he's going to come in as redshirt freshman. Theoretically, you could have four more years of this kid and, uh, you never know if he's going to actually work out to be a rotation player. Like anytime you bring on a walk-on, there's never a guarantee that player is ever really going to play outside of garbage time at the end of games, right? Now, there are some some success stories of of players, whether it's, you know, a Christian Moody or you think back to like Connor Tehan working his way up from being a, a walk-on to a scholarship player. Um, you can think back to like Clay Young playing rotation minutes in the first half of the 2017-18 season where there are success stories of players eventually getting there. I would say if you're looking at a bunch of the different KU has, if you're just looking at ceiling of eventually getting to that point, 
maybe there are a couple guys that you would be like, yeah, that probably is never in their cards. They're probably just going to continue to be, you know, important pieces of the program as walk-ons, practice players, that sort of stuff. Carter might be one because he had a previous D1 scholarship because of the athleticism. But yeah, maybe by the time he is a senior, year four in your program, you are talking about somebody who maybe he can work his way into, you know, seventh or eighth man if he just works his butt off and, and boom, you have another Connor Tehan, which is never a bad thing to add depth in, in kind of different ways. Um, so I think that's that's uh, obviously a positive. Obviously, you do have to worry about the jump up in competition, going from red shirting at, at a not very good CSUN program. Uh, obviously, this this is someone typically bring on for, you know, a scholarship player and they're not, it's a preferred walk on. But if you're done bringing in scholarship players, you know, it, I, I don't know. Is it, is it a choice? Is it a detriment to you to be done bringing in scholarship players and instead do this in case there's an injury and he's not ready to, to kind of play right away. Uh, but as far as he kind of fits in in year one, like ideally he's not going to play, right? Like ideally you have your rotation, you have your your kind of next wave of guys. Ideally you're only playing your scholarship players, right? And even if it does get to a point where you're playing a walk-on on the wing, your probably first option in that scenario would be, okay, Michael Jankovic is coming in and he's just going to play five minutes and try to hit a three and do the Brock Cunningham thing that, that you know, Texas has, where it's just like, ah, he's just going to be a glue guy and hit some threes and we're going to hope he holds up enough on the on the defensive end, right? So ideally, you're not going to play in year one, probably ideally not going to play in year two. Like I said, there is that scenario where there are some past walk-ons for KU who have been able to work into a bigger role eventually. Doesn't mean that you're saying that Connor Tehan was an all-Big 12 player, that Christian Moody or you know some of these guys that you think back of were all-Big 12 players, but they eventually led to being part of the rotation. And it's been a while since anybody has been able to do that. I guess, like I said, you go back to the Clay Young one when – that team was very thin, um, kind of at the big man spot, and he had kind of had to play before Silvio arrived. This team's kind of thin throughout the roster with only 10 scholarship players, though. So uh, I guess it is entirely possible. But, I mean, if you look three or four da years down the road and he never is able to crack even the eighth or ninth man in the rotation, okay, well, that's fine because that's what most walk-ons are going to be expected to do. But then if he does crack the eighth or man, ninth man in the rotation, if he does become like a sixth man like Connor Tehan, then it's found money. Then you found something and you developed something that you weren't totally expecting to, but you're excited for. And I think that when you look at Carter's play, he does have the potential to where you look at a lot of the past walk-ons KU has brought on. I don't think they have the same ceiling or athleticism juice that Carter has. So I, I again, like I, I don't want to turn this into, uh, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up your butt and be like, like, oh, he's going to be an All-Big 12 player by the time he's a senior. No, you, you don't know. It's it's a walk-on, right? Like, anything you get from him is found money. But I will say this. I think this becomes a really good addition for you to give you another competitive player in practice. And when we look at KU only having 10 scholarship players, now you have, I think, six walk-ons, seven if Charlie McCarthy plays. I, I don't know what, what the deal is there going to be with uh, McCarthy. You need scholarship players to just keep practices going, right? Like, think about it. If you're doing a five-on-five -five scrimmage, that's already 10 guys out of the way, but you're going to have to sub guys out. You're going to have to give guys breathers. What happens if somebody rolls an ankle? What happens if somebody's sick that day? You have to have guys to be able to practice. You have to have bodies to be able to practice. So half of a walk-on class is very good for KU, and Carter is certainly one of the, I think, more talented players of this walk-on class for KU. Uh, let's finish up. I have a fun little question here. Is this the greatest walk-on class that KU has ever assembled here with Locked on Jayhawks? All right, uh, finishing things up, Locked on Jayhawks, talking a little bit more about the walk-ons. I'll be clear on that question. Is this the greatest walk-on class KU has ever assembled? 
it's very hard to like actually go back and, and look through this and, and come up with like a, a set way of being like, no, this is the number one team. This is the number two team because typically those walk-ons aren't playing a ton of minutes. I, I think it was Billy Packer who did he call Christian Moody. The, they're like the greatest walk-on ever or something like that. I could be wrong with who that was, but um, I think overall though, I'll, I'll just say this, like if the bill self era, this does feel like the best group of walk-ons that KU has had. Think about it. If Michael Jankovic came in for five minutes in a random game, just because, like, let's say one of your other players was injured and you're like, well, we could use three-point shooting. Could he survive out there for five minutes and maybe hit you a three and, and help you out a little bit? Yeah, sure. So you have that there. Uh, you have uh, a couple of good practice bigs with Dylan Wilhite and Justin Cross, who I think Wilhite averaged like 20 and 10 his senior year of high school in San Diego. And he's got real size at like 6'9", 230, 240. Justin Cross averaged, you know, basically a rebound per minute for a team that won the JUCO National Championship last year. Um, you look now with with Chris Carter coming in and having good athleticism and bringing you that kind of dunk package and stuff. While their Evers put up like pretty good numbers at at the high school level um, before coming in as a walk on to KU again, I don't I don't totally know what's there with uh, like Charlie McCarthy. I feel like I'm forgetting someone as a walk on. But point being that like if you threw out KU's five starting five walk on picks and you threw them into some like low end mid major league. I think they could like legitimately compete and do pretty well, which I know that's not like a huge bar or anything. And this is Kansas and you're going for national titles, but I think that that gives you more depth, more practice players, more competitiveness in practice than maybe you have had in other years when, when maybe some of the walk-ons have come on and, you know, more so just been there for, for other reasons or to just work hard and, and do this or that, where these feel like more like legit players to a certain standpoint. Um, and you have, I think more guys here where, you do raise the possibility of being like, yeah, I don't know that they'll ever be in the rotation. It's never, you know, wise to bet on that to happen with a walk on, but like if in two to three years, X, Y, and Z happened and they got better at this and that, and they do have, they have shown, you know, higher potential than, than maybe some walk ons in the past. Then yeah, maybe you could squeeze your way into rotation. Like some of those previous guys that uh, we brought up, but I, so I know it doesn't sound like much, but it helps a team with less scholarships in practice. It helps a team with depth. It helps give you at least a little more coverage in case of injury, at least to get through the season and, and get through practicing and all that sort of stuff. And uh, certainly it'll be interesting to see what KU does from here because this is the type of move where you basically could convince yourself, well, we took on a D1 transfer without having to use a scholarship. Um, and realistically, that 11th scholarship by losing Chris Johnson, we don't know how much Johnson was going to play. We were just going to bring in a developmental player anyway to just give us added insurance of depth for that 11th man. Does this cover that? Does this basically cover the point of being like, well, well we got the developmental player that we don't know is going to be a part of the rotation, just like Chris Johnson was. We have the more depth. We have everything we wanted. And we get to save our scholarship, too, so that we can just knock out all three in the same year. Or if the NCAA, the IRP comes down and says we need to lose even more scholarships, now we're even in better position in a better situation for those future years after that. I still think it would behoove Kansas to uh, maybe add an 11 scholarship player. I know there's this uh, uh, Mulcahy kid out there for Rutgers, the Yongu out there for from uh, Washington State. Um, there's some interesting players. And again, like it's hard to be like, well, how much of a role would any of those guys have? And that is certainly a real question. I still maintain that you can find 20, 25-ish minutes a game for, for some transfer to come in, right? I mean, if Hunter Dickinson's playing 30 minutes a game, if KJ Adams playing 25 minutes a game, you still have 25 minutes per game at the four. You still could have some minutes that you can hand out a handful at the three, right? Like, you can find ways 
ways to make this work. I think it would behoove Kansas to add that one extra player, but this certainly helps as you continue to add some real talent to the walk-on class for KU. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday's show. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, Paul Mulcahy or Adrame Diangu. Uh, maybe we'll talk uh, a little bit. I want to get into Jamari McDowell because we got to talk with him over the weekend part of KU Media Vale, and uh, he's an impressive kid. I think Bill Self, he's going to be a Bill Self favorite by the time it's all said and done. How much will he impact in year one? Going to be a future thing? I don't know. I think I'm very interested by maybe the competition between him and uh, Marcus Adams. So we'll get to that later in the week. This has been Locked on Jayhawks. You can find us anywhere, any of your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well. Like and subscribe to the show. If you could, certainly helps us out. We'll talk to you next time with LOJ. Later.